in the cabbage. Right, let's get it. Test, test, test. Yeah, we're live. Welcome to In the Cabbage. <laughs> this is crazy. This is pretty bananas right now <laughs> that we're actually doing this. I'm Tommy Sweat. Andrew Witt. Please subscribe. Please listen. Please download. Like. Just a reminder. Keep swinging. Welcome back to In the Cabbage. I'm your boy, Tommy Swain. To my right, or your left, Andrew Witt. Hey, what is up, baby? Welcome back to the comfy, cozy corner. session. We are, you know, just hanging out over here. And since we gotten back, uh, we were at, actually watching the uh, in-laws house over the weekend. Yeah, dude, love that. Um, nice I, little setup in the living room. Okay. They got the, you were telling me they got the new sound bar. They got like a new TV. Yeah. Do they still have the, wait, does Mr. Vavrock still have his like, like recliner chair? Uh huh. Yeah. That thing is gold. Yeah. You you can't get rid of that. Sitting in that chair, watching, you know, some Wimbledon, just hanging out over, you know, the short end of a weekend for us, which was, you know, a great weekend. We actually, um, you and I, I went to my over to my mom's house for a little pizza party. Yeah. So my brother watched a TikTok one day, right? <laughs> and he saw you can build a pizza oven out of fifty bricks and two concrete pavers. And he was obsessed. It was like I think like right towards the end of COVID. Couldn't Which stop is such talking. a weird thing for your brother to get obsessed about, right? right. Like what where where did that come from? Like I have where, no where clue. Did, he is not done. Any like sort of manpower or like not what's the word like handyman? He's not a handy kind of guy. Got like better since he started working at the community center. I guess so. He like that, and he also you know used to redo his rooms every like six months. That's true. So that he, is true. So some things sometimes these things hook onto him. Yeah, he, they're he few and far between though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, me I would never. Say so. Me never. But right. Um, he, he called me one day and he's like, we're making pizzas. Like, Come help me move these bricks. So we buy all the bricks and we realized we're one brick short. So we have 49 <laughs> bricks, but we ended up finding some like shitty brick in the house somewhere. And we threw it in there. And um, so we just, and you know what? The what's, what's, the, what's the old cost of that situation too? Because, you know, 50 like bricks. 40 bucks or something. Yeah, that's, that's a really big steal. If you're going to make an oven that you're just going to abuse and you don't even have to like really worry about. Right. I mean, I don't know what the regular pizza ovens go for, but I know they're not cheap. No, they're really, really expensive. And this works. Are they like a couple grand? No, like there's probably like five. They're probably like five hundred, six hundred dollar ones. You can- oh, okay, that's not that's not too over the top. No, but like they're not like also like the top of the line. So I'm sure. They I'm have sure issues. you can really blow it out and get something for fifteen hundred, right? Two, three, four grand. So the idea is you put like wood on the bottom of it, right, and you get it to kind of get like a coal or a fire. And then they put another concrete paver on top of that with a little gap in the back. So the fire hits the top of the bricks, the other concrete slab. And yep. It actually does make a really great oven. Yeah, it, it's impressive. How good it can actually be. Out of just 50 bricks and a couple cinder blocks, like that thing's money. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was, <laughs> it's so, also up to like, you know, your stomach height too. It's not yeah. like it's way down on the ground. No, like we, we lifted it. So technically it's supposed to be on the ground. But we figured out we could just stack you put more some bricks. cinder blocks under there. Or whatever. Right? We, we end up moving it up way higher, which <clears throat> is so nice. And Mikey does a great job with the fire. 
I lost all my technique on how to like stretch the dough. And you all got that really into it because you got you were doing it. Um, I would say like once every three months or so, and you were yeah. kind of whipping up some pizzas over there. I was getting into like being able to stretch out the dough. I was actually getting pretty good at it too, mm-hmm. and getting it off. But I lost all that touch and flair. There was a guy there at the party who actually used to work at a pizza place. Yeah, was it so, Adam? Yeah, yeah Adam. So he throughout the dough, which this, was great. This guy was slinging pies. Yeah, he was working again. Who knew he's going to come and do a nine to five? Dude, for the, he for was the house. he was putting in some major hours. And you know who's no no worse than? I mean, I'm probably the worst person to roll out dough. I don't get it. I have zero touch. There is one thing that I literally cannot do. And I, I feel like I'm pretty comp- like competent Very. in a lot of things. Yeah, pizza dough is not. One of them. It is not my friend. I struggle like I struggle with this thing. I'm wrestling with it. <laughs> There's holes in this thing. I'm like patching it back over, and then eventually right. I just say, you know what? F it. It's going in the oven. I don't care. Right. And it comes out like looking like this hemorrhage thing, and it's all grotesque. <laughs> it's ugly. Yeah. It's and not pizza the is supposed best. to be one of the most like beautiful things after you like pull it out of the oven, like all the cheese is bubbling on there. It's like, I used to do it to, to the point hard. where it had like a good crust on it. Like, the way I was folding it used to be really yeah, good. Yeah, dude. Um, Mine has no crust. It's just like flat, and it's kind of like just. It's almost like uh, just like a flatbread. Honestly, yeah, it's a flatbread type pizza. I think if I just like watch like one more YouTube video, I can do it again. I think if you just actually like watch the videos and tried, you'd get it. Yeah, but by the time I'm like actually trying to make the dough and like make my You're pizza, you ready to go. I'm starved, but I'm also like five drinks in. Right, and I could honestly care less at that point. You need something. Yeah, I just need su- like substance. But it's good. I mean, the pe- the the oven gets hot enough. It does get like a crisp on the bottom and the top. It gets a good like five six hundred degrees is my guess because yeah, you know, pizza cooks in like three or four minutes. Yeah, that's, that's it, it's it's fun. It's but the big party makes it a little difficult because everyone's waiting for the oven. Yeah, but I mean, a it's small not a- party, it's super easy. If you're doing exactly. it just for like a family of five, because you, you can't can throw three pizzas in the oven at the same time. No, you just keep. Throw, you have them all ready to go. And you just keep throwing them in there and you bring them out and everyone yeah. gets a slice. It's a one at going. a time situation. It's fun right. though. But that wasn't the highlight of our weekend, buddy. No, no, not quite. The highlight of our weekend was our club championship at Miles Square. And you flexed at how much money you just won over the weekend? I think I won like $227 or something. No, you won. I thought you won 220 just off of your individual days and overall club championship money. And then you got a skin on top of that, right? No skin. Or closest to that. Oh yeah, closest to pin. Mm-hmm. That was thirty-seven, right? Thirty-eight bucks. Yeah. So that's two two sixty almost two fifty-seven. Yeah. So I ended up taking second net overall in the tournament. Yeah, which is awesome. Which I think was one place higher than I was, and in a division higher. So last year they had a C division. This year they have A and B. Dude, I could have sworn you won the C division. You won the C in net. Because you won the C. I think I got second in that. No, no, no. I'm like pretty positive. We'll have to go back, but it's fine. You were a C flight champion net, mm-hmm. and I was B flight champion gross last year. Right. I'm, I'm like, I mean, Almost we got to fight. We got to fact check it, but I'm I'm in the 99%. I have, a, I have a polo, and I don't think they give out polos to people in second place. You do. You do have a polo. Right. And it says like B net champion. Or C flight. Or yeah. sorry, yeah. C flight champion yeah. net. Or something like that. I'm pretty positive. So I'm gonna back. I'm I was, gonna ba- I'm gonna I back was you up one there. stroke off of it, but overall, what a great weekend of golf for me, um, dude. You came out guns a blazing, and I want to talk a little bit about your round 
Um, and I want to kind of like, cause I want to talk about it through my eyes and I want to hear about it through in your perspective okay. a little bit as well. I love that. We're going to, we're going to try to talk about this. You know, the boys have a hard time with jumping around. We seem to do it very often. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So we've had multiple discussions at the post round post uh, podcast meetings of we're going to try to be a bit more chronological. Yeah, we got to be a little like with the storytelling <laughs> chronological order. Baby. Thank you. Yeah, I got you. I got you. We're going to piggyback off one another here. Um, I think. Yeah, dude, we even made it like a freaking Instagram video about it because we're just we're making we it's almost laughable at this point. Right. I don't know how people follow us. So we're going to do a very we're going to do <laughs> a, a, a better job of describing and maybe being a little bit of a longer podcast to make sure we get the stories down a bit more straightforward. That's okay. And I think we're going to cover you first. And then we can cover me and we'll go through first day, second day, and then we'll do the opposite for me. Let me um, let me give a little description of what this weekend was for people yeah. maybe who didn't listen. Mile Square is our local public track that Andrew and I are members of. And once a year, they throw a tournament you have to qualify for. And the only way to qualify is by playing three golf tournaments prior to the men's club championship. It's, um, you know, that's the one thing you got to do is play three events. Super easy. Um, it's a two-day event. And there's money for Saturday. There's money for Sunday. And yep. there's money for overall. Yep. And so if you normally have one good day, you're going to win some cash. And there's usually a bit more money in the pool as well. Exactly. Because it's just a bigger field. Um, and not to mention, you also have your net skins, your gross skins, and mm. your closest to the pin. So, you know, there, there's always um, potential for low-hanging fruit if you have a good hole. Everyone's got a good hole every once in a while. Even if you're having a worse day, you know, you can find some magic for two, three shots, put some together. Um, so yeah, there's always opportunity to win some money. Yeah. And, uh, I moved up a flight. I was C flight last year, B flight this year, a lower handicap as well. I was an 11, which is low for me. Um, especially for the golf I've been playing recently. Yeah. But you know what though? Like high I think 80s, low 90s. We were talking this. about your handicap though. I think you, you were floating around the 11 to 13, handicap i would say when i was playing well yeah but i haven't been playing well but it's also over a course of 10 rounds right and so maybe you're thinking in your head recent rounds i should be a 14 or 15 i right? just love miles square in general now it's a great course dude it's a fantastic course it's just so much it. fun to play i love it i every i've we've played that course so many more times than any other public track and it just, it doesn't get defeated. And I still get excited to go play that course every single time. We play it monthly. It's just, um, it's a really gettable course. It's really easy to like have a good round there. If you put a ball in the fairway and you're hitting greens, you're going to have a good time. But also if your shot's a little off and you, now you're starting getting in the rough, the rough's a little thicker than it used to be. You're normally under some trees, which can give you issues. They also had a, you know... The course, when we were playing it, I don't know if they geared it up for this championship a little bit, but the conditions were a little bit, I would say, a little bit tougher. Than, yeah, than the last, greens like, were they firm, were firm. At, yeah. at points, really firm, and the rough was pretty thick, and the course was in, I mean, spectacular condition. For the amount of play that this course gets, and now it's it used to be two 18s. Right. Don't know why they got rid of the other one. It's a little bit of BS. We're going to skip past that because it is what it is. But my point is, is that now there's only one 18 whole course and they kind of combine the two, but it gets a lot of play. 
A lot of play. And so it's going from like 6 a.m. to like all the actually from sunup to sundown. People are it's booked on that course. Totally. And it gets slammed after us. And um, we had a good tea time. I loved our tea time. 745 was. Yeah, perfect. it was actually kind of a perfect tea time. It was great. I uh, played with two really good guys. They were in the beef fight with me and. They both weren't, they didn't have their egg games, I would say, both days. Yeah. They both kind of struggled. But um, anyway, so yeah, starting off with me, I mean, we had some ideas of what I wanted to focus on. I think the night before we played, um, I told you I really wanted to work on a routine, like a practice routine for yeah. golf shot. I think we mentioned yep. it on the podcast as well. And so I used to go outside. When I'm outside, I pick up a club and I practice what felt comfortable to me. It just makes sense, a routine before a golf shot, right? Like it's Yeah, you have everyone has a free throw routine. Everyone's yeah. got a routine when they step on whatever, a bike, any sport, any like prepping for any sort of play, you have a routine before the play starts. Like before the baseball is pitched, maybe it's like you hit your glove and then you step into the ball. Exactly. It's it's like it's almost like you're locking into a different part of your brain because now that now it's something is happening and you're much more focused. Right. Which for me is very hard because I'm a fast player. And also when I play really fast, I make a lot of mistakes. You're also, you tend to, your mind tends to wander a little bit at times when it's either one, we're slow Mm -hmm. or two, we're playing slow and the group ahead is pulling ahead. And then there's people behind us and you're always worried about the people behind us and the people in our group and what you can be doing to play faster, which is great. It's great golf etiquette, but at the same time, it really does take away from your shot that you're going to totally. hit. Totally. Because sometimes so, I'm just like so focused on speeding it up. Exactly. Exactly. And you're worried about this and that. And then you forget about what the act, like what the purpose is of you being there. And that's obviously to hit the golf ball in the hole as fewer like strokes as possible. Not worried about all this other crazy stuff right. that's going on. So I think you were very successful obtaining a routine. routine and being present with every shot from the last podcast we were saying and goals we were wanting to set you wanted to get a routine lockdown and you wanted to be present for as many shots as possible right and i think you did that i mean three to four fold better than you have in oh, any right. other tournament i right. mean that i've seen you in the mental i mean the sunday anyway so for from hole one after I hit my driver shot, which was okay, I mean, actually, it was a really good tee, tee shot. It started off right yeah, down the middle. It was great. But before we get going, like, mm-hmm. I think it would be great if you, like, walk through what... My routine is? Yeah, what your routine is now. Yeah. So and, like, what, how it helps you tap in. So, what I would do would be, I'm... So, you have to work the routine for who you are as a person. There's people who play really long golf. Maybe they like a bit more of a routine from start to finish, like even before approaching the golf ball. I just want something to pull me out of it to let me maybe calm some nerves down and focus what I was doing. So I would step up to the ball, do one practice swing. All I'm looking for in this practice swing is a feel. Clipping the grass correctly or whatever, picking the right club, Feeling my feet, feeling the lie, hit it once. That's what I want. I would step back two steps, two or three steps. Mm-hmm. Club in the right hand. And I'm kind of like twirling it. I'm like moving it. I just want to keep my right hand like some sort of feel. Right. Nice and active. Big deep breath through the nostril. Mm-hmm. 
in through the, and out through the mouth. It's almost like a like a yoga breath. It's like as large as you can. Big deep breath out right. through the mouth. I loved it, it. It was a big deep breath, and then I would step to the ball, look at my target, maybe one more breath if I felt I needed it, or so then there would just be a point and shoot, and then swing. Yeah. I, I really think it would made you very successful for one, that deep breath almost like releases everything else that's going on out there. Mm-hmm. It's like I have my number, I have the lie, I have the shot, I have my aim point, I have the feel. Now deep breath and like focus on executing that. Right. And it felt like you really were working in a very like orderly fashion. When you were like, okay, where's my, how's my lie? How's my feet? How far am I? Where's the trouble? Where do I need to aim? What's the feel? Okay, great. Boom. I have all that stuff now. And then take a deep breath. And mm-hmm. then now it's time to step in and hit that shot. And if, it really did help a lot. And yeah, dude. Like, especially, which was surprising because I didn't think it was going to be that big of a difference. And I thought I was going to get over it. But after what, round one, there were some chip shots I forgot to do it on, and, I, and they didn't go well. I'm like, oh, I didn't really, like, follow the routine there. Sure. Maybe if I did that, I would be more successful. But so starting into the tournament, I would say the routine is going to be something I do for the rest of my life. Of course. Maybe the routine changes varying. Of course. Yeah, you need, maybe need to tailor it here and there to kind of suit your game a little bit and what uh, it needs. For right now, the, it's that's where it's at, and that's staying. Um it's just too helpful for me as a player. I think anyone who's playing too fast maybe has a, a, a wandering mind like I do who has a hard time clicking in to what's going on in that moment. Um, do this routine because it, it helps you like lock in. And I'm not saying like when you're driving a car, you can be your goofy self. Whatever, or whatever. you want to do. Let it's, the mind go. But for right. that 15 seconds you decide you're going to hit a golf shot, you should be a bit more locked in. And it helped. It's funny, um, there was like a, a stat and, um, it, you know, a golf round takes four and a half hours on average and you hit, let's say you hit 80 shots mm-hmm. and you're only hitting, you're only playing golf for like 10 minutes of that. Right. It's kind of crazy. But you're really only, but it's a, yeah, it's, you're not even playing half the time. It's way less than that. And like 10, I mean, if you want to talk about all of like, your reads and everything you're playing for a little bit longer, but you actually physically hitting a golf ball. It's like three minutes or something like that. That's crazy. I saw like a, a little stat. I'm going to, I'm butchering, I'm butchering the numbers, no, but, but, I the get point, what but the point is there. It's for like less than five minutes that you're actually like hitting the golf ball, which maybe it's the stat that's even showing. That's like how, uh, how much of a big factor the mental game is. Right. Like oh it's, yeah. It's something you can't really, you know, downgrade. Yeah, and exactly. You know, something I've, need to work on in my life in general is you know my wandering mind and dude and you came out and you had a clear intention and it was and you made it very apparent from hole one through like hole five i mean you came out i rock solid on all of your swings you hit a great drive on hole one you're right in the middle of the fairway you have like a sand wedge in your hand you had like 95 yards out did your whole routine and like one bouncing on the front of the fringe, rolled it up to two feet, tapped in a birdie right, right, off, right off the rip. And I'm like, oh, this man's kind of cooking. But obviously, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Anything right. can happen. It's hole one. But the fact that you come out with a statement birdie like that was huge. Yeah. Hole two, a little bit of a rocky-ish like shot into like the left side, I believe, or right side and like left, in semi-rough. Left side of the fairway. 
Yeah, and then like you hit like a great second shot in, but it was like I thought it maybe were in the first cut and it like kind of jumped on you a little bit. Right. You hit it like straight to the back of the hole, but this thing never left the flagstick. You hit like a ten yard fade and it was coming right back onto the <laughs> on on it. Right. And dude, you kept it was rinse and repeat, and that was our like famous saying over the weekend. It was like right. our little tagline, and legitimately for the next three holes after that, for the first five holes, you had on hole four. On that par five, you ripped the drive. Then you had hybrid in mm -hmm. and legitimately par five threw it straight over the flagstick, dude. Yeah, you had water in the left, bunkers mm -hmm. right. You hit a great drive, perfect middle of the fairway, and you step up with another hybrid. And I mean, if it was, if you hit it 10 yards shorter, it would have been like a foot away from the cup. You hit it straight over the flagstick. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, I mean, that's the best golf I've ever played through those five holes. Yeah. And I'm honestly like, did this man's throwing a, an equivalent no hitter right now through seven? Like, yeah. I, this is the unspoken rule. I could not say anything. Right. I'm like, let's just keep this thing rolling, baby. Yeah, it was. It felt great. And you know, being a high handicapper, and I think last year I had a real hard time because there would be I have heaters like that last year. I go through like two or three full oh, yeah. holes where I play really well, and I would kind of crumble um, because I was like, ooh, I might break eighty, or I might have like the lowest front nine I've ever played. And it would kind of um I feel like you've gotten past that a little bit. Yeah, like right? I'm not I'm not flying too close to the center. I know a big hole is gonna come. I know a double or a triple is looming. And what my goal was is when it did happen, I wanted to make sure it didn't continue. It needed to be like a bogey or a par, or right. like it wasn't a triple, double, triple round over right it, it's it's a triple and it's a bounce back right away right it's like okay that was gonna happen no big deal let's rattle off a few pars here which ended up happening so thank goodness we actually have the scorecards here this is gonna be great to kind of like track our, our rounds a little bit and help help you all understand where we're coming from and help and help us too but yeah you were one over through six mm -hmm. with two birdies and it's just like really solid work right there by you you know Two birdies is pretty impressive yeah, through six holes for me. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you were lucky if you get two birdies in an 18. Right. So, I mean, anyone is, actually, if you, like, look at all the stats. And there's not a lot of birdies out there for the regular weekend warrior out there, you know? Mm-mm. Um, but then you had a little bit of a slip up on number seven. And, but, you know, you had a terrible, terrible break. And here's that big hole that we were talking about um, that it's going to rear its head at, at some point. And so you were preparing for it. And you got the worst breaks of all breaks. I actually didn't see where your ball was, but you told me that it was like on, like basically on a tree, like in the tree root, yeah, basically, and, like and on the trunk of the tree. One of my men's clubs, you can move all balls off the base of a tree that way. They just don't want you to hit them because you hit a tree, you hurt yourself. Right. But I didn't know the ruling here, so I had to like do. I didn't couldn't even get a full swing at it. It was like a punch. The the like the second cut in the cabbage ate it up. Yep. And I was in the cabbage thick, bad shot out, like hit a tree, bad shot out. So it just, it just snowballed. But I think I bounced back with a par on the next hole, on a par three. Yeah, there. and you did. And you hit a great little, that first shot in. You made a triple on seven, but then it was a quick bounce back because with two pars Yeah. on eight and nine, dude. Um, and I love our little thing here too because we actually have some X's and O's, little hugs and kisses here for fairways and... And greens and reg, which is which is all time. Yeah, it's a good little fun, easy stat for us to track to kind of like gauge where we need to be putting a little bit more focus on our game. Right, 
And so I'm, I don't need, we don't need to break down every shot, you know. Um, I just want to get overall highlights of it. So after that, I played um, okay through like 10, 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. 14. I think I did like a bogey or something. Yeah. I got you. You, you want to talk yeah. about it? 14, I went par. Wow. Yeah, I really cleaned up the last 14 through whatever. Yeah, you went 40 on the front, dude, which is one of your better front nines. And then 41 on the back, which is really tough for me. So I shot an 81, which is my lowest round I've ever played. Yeah. In a club in a club championship, so I was pretty hyped. I That's going to get you somewhere. Um, 10 of 18 fairways and 8 of 14 greens. Flip that. It really. Flip okay. that. 8 of 14 fairways. There we go. 10 of 18 greens. Yeah. Correct. My apologies. That makes and you're, sense. I, I really think that it was the preparation and the routine. The drills. Yes. I also repped out my drills in the morning before the fairway or before we started playing. And yeah. um, also the putting as well. Getting a little tea drill going in the morning helped yeah. me out. Just, I think it's one of those things that's great. And if you find a drill that you love... Um, do it right before you play, and it's not going to hinder you if it's a if it drill that like kind of checks you and like calibrates you in a way. You know, the putting stroke maybe might feel a little bit off at six thirty in the morning or whatever. Like, just right. roll a couple putts with a couple tees if that works for you. Great. Like, I went to the course, and like I do this drill where I just bang out three footers, and I put four tees down. I didn't do it before, but I did it the day before on like or Thursday or whatever when mm-hmm. I went to go and prepare for the tournament. Um, and just like I put my putter down and I put it like, you know, three and a half feet, put a tee down on four corners. Got to make two in a row in each one. And if I don't, then I got to start all over again. And then I move the tees like 45 degrees or whatever. So like another, you know, so I'm playing north, south, east, west. Now I'm playing northwest, northeast. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're moving them. Plus sign to an X. That's what we're kind of looking I got at here. You. You know? I love that. Um, and that's a great drill for me too, because it just, again, it's focused a little bit on left to right, right to left, hitting my spot, committing to a line and trusting the stroke, trusting the stroke, trusting the stroke. And so totally, it's a great, it's, it's a great thing to kind of just calibrate you a little bit. And so you did that with your swing, you had that with your putting game and you had a mental calibration too, before every shot. And it clearly showed you came out and shot your career low on Saturday, right? 81. We were hyped and you backed it up again on Sunday. And it was just, the, it was more of the same. Right. I, Sunday was even tougher. Fighting in a hangover, no sleep. <laughs> yeah. um, we had some elements battling, battling against us here because you know, we went over so to I your, thought, your mom's house. I thought, you know, after the bar, yeah, after the pizza party, I thought, no way I'm coming out and going to play with what I had. And I sure enough came out and played, which would have been my other career low at a tougher course, which was I shot an 82. Um, but the most infuriating thing with this weekend, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't think I've ever beaten you um, straight up. Stroke play, no, but match play. Never beaten you. uh, I've beaten you with match, but never stroke. Yeah. And that's straight up especially. And really had an opportunity here this week. Um, You beat me by one stroke on Saturday and on Sunday. Yeah. And that was pretty uh, upsetting for me. You were right there. I was right there. And you were playing some unbelievable golf. I was playing really good golf. Just career all-time rounds. And I couldn't beat you still, which was so tough for me. You know what my favorite shot of the weekend is before we start breaking down your round here? Yeah, let's hear it. Um, 
and it's might be a, a no shot you remember, but I believe it was on day two. Whole um, is this you? Are you talking about you or me? Me. Okay. Whole sixteen. Day two. Day two. So it's after the long par three. Yep. Um, I just birdied it. We're going to. Sorry, it's the short par three over water. I just parred it. Yeah. Um, we're going to a par four. It's really, really tight. And. Um, oh, dude, you birdied that one. Yeah. <laughs> you birdied 15, which is the par three over water. Yeah, birdied 15, par three over <laughs> water. Nice. Where I got to like within four feet for the CP on that. Yeah, that was that was really money. Um, so then I play the eighth hardest one on the course, more of my nemesis holes, which is 16. 16, 17, 18, and 15 are, are some of the hardest on It's the a closing, it's a tough closing stretch, honestly, at Miles Square. And if you are hitting the ball at all offline a little bit, you're going to get punished and the par fours are long enough. And they sometimes play into the wind most of the time as well. Yeah, it's, there, it's, it is it's tough and it's, it's tight. So I end up getting away really lucky with a drive. Ends up underneath a tree, a little past it. But there's, you know, I'm short-sided myself with the green. There's a bunker in front of the flag. And I can't hit a high normal shot because of a tree in front of me, kind of hanging down. Yeah. So now In I the rough, a, and you had a downhill. And a downhill I know line. exactly what you're talking right. about, too. So it was a tough, tough chip, and I really wanted to finish out pars because I would tie my all-time low, possibly even beat it at that point and shoot like an 80. So I really wanted to get this on the green to give myself a two-putt for a par, and the shot was really difficult, and I just, you know, did the full routine. I had a, a club in my hand, put the club away, grabbed a different club, and really just felt comfortable over it. And basically what I went with was a nine iron, um, a little bit uh, in the front of my stance. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was like, and I just got to like kind of chip at it, like throw my hands at it. Yeah. And it just barely went over the bunker and skipped onto the green for a two-putt par. And to me, that was like, I would have never hit that shot last year because one, the pressure of where I was at. Two, like I would have been so hasty about what was going on. And three wasn't like clear in my intention of what I was trying to do. Sure. And I think overall for me, it really encompassed like what I was trying to do. Yeah. No, I, that's, I definitely understood the magnitude of the shot because of where one, where you stood in the tournament. Right. But having some reflection on that on your end, it really does bring the light why that was such a big moment for you because it was a very difficult shot because the pins tucked all the way in the front. You have to hit over a massive bunker. And I'm awful in the bunker. And you don't want to like, and if you hit the tree at all, you're screwed. If you miss hit the shot at all, you're screwed because now you're going to be like way in the back of the green and it's really severely sloped back to front. So right. it's an extremely difficult putt. You're not going to get that down to no. Um, and he hit one to like 20 feet and it like rolled off a little bit left and then you two putted beautifully. Yeah, I was, out of there. I was just really hyped because you can almost feel some sure. shots are going to make up your tournament. Just, you know, like, oh, like if I can come away with a par instead of a bogey on this hole or if I can bogey instead of double, that would be like big for my tournament. Yeah. And I knew if I came away with a par on this hole that like I would. It would keep you rolling. Because keep me going. Usually you don't get into trouble quite often. Um, and then you were able to save yourself from that situation, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was, yeah, dude, it was great. It was one of those big moments. Um, 
And yeah, dude, what what a well thought out shot. I was a little bit in the weeds at that point, so it wasn't. Oh yeah, told. your boy was your mental was tossed at that yeah, point. Yeah, I, I was having a tough time out yeah. there. We'll have to get into that now. Yeah, but yeah. So I ended up getting second net, won a bunch of cash. I had a great time. Um, really eye opening. Another eye opening weekend of golf for me. Um, now, like, will I play like that always? Because this routine, probably not. But at least I have something that I can fall back to where if everything else is falling off the tracks, I at least have some sort of stability. Exactly. And you know you can always come back to that. So, and I got something here before we dive into my round to kind of break up a little bit of the golf round right Mm now. Um, You know, your boys over here in the the C cubed. Mm Mm-hmm. We had a we had a sleepover on Friday night. We, oh, yeah. <laughs> we did have a we sleepover did. on Friday night. Right. And what a blast from the past that was. Yeah, I don't know. We, we decided the wives, you know, we were staying at the in-laws. So the house right. was open. I thought, you know, we were going to be closer to the golf course from my house where I was at. You oh, know, way closer. South, way deep Orange County. Yeah, way back over there. I don't know what the drive is for you guys, but it's a, for it's like you. 30 it's, minutes it's from a good here. 30 you know, it's 30 it's, minutes from here. Um, so it would have been like a 50, maybe like a 45 minute drive in the morning. It's yeah. tough. Um, so we decided, you know what, why don't we just have a little sleepover? And we came over, we hung out, watched documentaries, talked about old times, you know, and uh, it was it was a fun little uh, little sleepover for the boys. Shared a bed, caught it a little bit. Yeah, nice king bed, though. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what I mean? nice we're not bed. we're not rocking a full or a queen where you have to. That would really have been tough. Up. That would have been tough. But it was fun. Uh, it, it's still like so funny that we like to do those things, but it's it's great. It's what it's one of those nostalgic things. You can walk down memory lane, and we can, also shared a room with each other for longer than I have with my wife currently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. if we put in that, you know, we share a room with each other for like six years or something like yeah, that. Five, I think. Five years. It's too many to count, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and, and on the summer before that, I was basically living with yeah. you too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, even though I had my stuff, I, so you, it's great for hearing you looking into my golf game. It's fun to hear that you got excited. And I think that's really important in um, golfing in life as well. Buddy, as, I, I feel like, sorry, keep going. You feel yeah. like you were on a good tangent there. It, it, it's um, I, something I need to work on as well. I used to be like way more invested into like other people's things going on. And I find myself sometimes so wrapped up in like what I have going on, especially like with responsibilities and uh, my own like personal battles I'm fighting in my head that I sometimes lose like connectability because I, I go to lunch. And uh, I think golf does a good job for me to like click me into like what other people's success is and being happy for them. And I would like to, you know, after this weekend, work a bit more on that personally. Like sure. Being I, a bit more clicked in when people talk to me and hearing okay. a bit clearer. Okay. You know? Just, just, like, in, just in general. Yeah. or I, I, Just in general. But like, you know, and understanding when people are talking to me and they're excited about something. Sometimes, sure. you know. Sometimes you have your own thoughts about something and they're predetermined. And so whatever they're saying is not aligning with what is going on in your head. And so it's, sometimes it's hard to see that side. Right. Or something, something's going on where I'm in an event and I'm not paying attention fully or, you know, and I want to be, I think that's robbing yourself of like joy almost because right. you're, you're taking yourself out of the moment with somebody maybe you care about. And so I want to be, 
a bit more present when people sure. or things are going on around me. I think that's a good takeaway. I think you're a great playing partner to play with, by the way. So don't really beat yourself no, no. over that. No, I'm not. I know, like, for <laughs> golf, I, I always try to throw things out and tips and tricks and um, all that you're, stuff. you were really on my, band, my, my, my bandwagon all weekend because you knew how much I was struggling. And right. it was never easy. And I, I looked at the scorecard and I like went through fucking war and back. And I was like, okay, what did we card here today? This is going to yeah, be really I, ugly. And I'm going to tell you why I thought um, before like, a little breakdown. Take, what, take it away, buddy. Um, so coming into this, I really thought from where your golf game has been at and from what you've been telling me, your golf game and from what I've been seeing has been on fire. You've been really hot with the driver, which is if your driver's cooking, your wedge game now is so locked down with these three quarters, three halves or three, four shots you're doing. Yeah. Half shots you're doing with these wedges that you don't miss a lot of greens anymore that are so wayward with these wedges, which is part of your issue back in the day. Of course. Yeah. So if you're finding fairways or at least getting close to a fairway. If I don't have a tree or I'm hitting out of the first cut, like I'm in play. Your normal, your game's normally cooking because that means a wedge is in your hand. Right. Sometimes when you get a wedge out of your hand, you get some irons going. That's when the the shots become a little bit more wayward. Of course. For you. And I got hit like a high cut over a tree, and it's like I don't have that. Yeah, and like it's I, tough. Yeah, I can't hit a green from one sixty out hitting a high cut. It's right. not working. So you didn't have the best stuff, but I think that was probably the most promising thing about it was that we thought you were playing. Couldn't be playing worse. Like, played worse clearly than you did last year. But it, it felt like you were going to... I was dumping on you. It felt like I was going to beat you by, like, four or five strokes. Um, yeah. It really it really did feel like that, dude. And, it, and it's not an exaggeration. I felt like I was getting beat up out there. And I was just taking haymakers left and right from the golf course. And quite honestly, to myself, too. Like, I just could not get off the tee. At with all. any sort of accuracy at all it was abysmal it was atrocious dude you hit more fairways than i did on the first day than i did on both days in 36 holes of golf you hit more fairways than i did i hit eight fairways all weekend that's so tough and it's it was brutal dude and for you to shoot 80 and 81 is extremely impressive from where your golf game is at currently. Because that means yeah. like the blow up 85s are pretty much gone and dusted. Unless we're playing a really tough course and you've never of played course. before. Of course. I'm talking like tournament golf. You're not throwing up 85s, 86s anymore. I would be really bummed if I carded an 85, 86. I would, I would definitely feel that because I felt over the weekend, the whole time I was just in grind mode the whole time. It was never easy. And when it was a little bit easy, it almost felt like a breath of fresh air and it was never a constant thing. No, it was like you were drowning. Yes, And dude. you grabbed a hold of something and you pulled your head up for yeah. a second. <laughs> yes. You took a deep breath. You, and I'm back, uh, down, down, down. The back down in the trenches, <laughs> dude. Yank you back down. <laughs> it really was, I felt like I was just in your hole all weekend, just in, in your manhole, just trying to hand you ammo, cigar, dude, it was drink. I was just taking anything. You, just trying to keep the head level. But you know what was great? Because every time I'd come up and I'd be like, oh, I got a bogey that one. What'd you get there? And my bogey was probably like drive the fairway, short green, bad chip on, two putt out. Mm -hmm. Yours was like Way 20 yards left, left <laughs> and then yeah, another dude. tree. 
like hit a tree, come down, put it on the green from like a ridiculous, you know, like one fifteen out middle green, put it like lie. six feet or whatever, and then make right. a putt and make a putt and par. And you didn't really make many putts this weekend either. Deep I, putts. You not didn't a, miss anything short. I did on Sunday. And I, right. I was, to be fair, was striking the driver a skosh better on Sunday. I hit uh, six fairways compared to my two on the first day. Yeah. Um, but I did miss like two four-footers, and I three-putted twice. Which is tough for you because your putting game's been nails. You're, by yeah. the way, your short game right now, like, is just on another level. The wedge, the wedge feel, the three-fourths wedges have been, I mean, Pick it up and drop it where you want at this point. It's, it's not, been nice. It's not really leaving anywhere. I think a lot of it was, um, again, my... Because um, we went over your goals, talking about mine over the weekend. And, you know, I wanted to have a clear intention when I was about 125 and in. I wanted to know where the pin was. And I wanted to be very, very locked into a position and not get suckered into a pin. If it was right. in a, if it was in a tough position, especially if it's long, greens being a little firm, I tend to miss long anyways. That is my miss, and I did not want to miss long with a pin in the back, and I did not do that. I don't think all weekend. No, I don't remember you blasting any shots super far long. Maybe maybe like one hopper on the on the green, but and it was rolled like, off. Yeah, barely. that was that was a weird that was a weird one. As I do know do know which one you're talking about. I. The one I did miss long, long on, I was actually like able to save and made like an up and down. It was like way below. Oh, and like yeah, that was flop the, shot. Best, <laughs> the best chip shot I've ever seen. Yeah. You blast one way, way past. You got a lucky break. It was on the fence line. Yep. Almost OB. And f like all the, the, all the in the cabbage stuff out there, like the thick cut is actually very grabby and thick. It's kind of crab grassy. And it, you don't really know which way your ball is going to spin or how it's going to come out. So it's a really a lot of feel and you got to clip it pretty clean. And you're on a like downhill, got to hit it up to another downhill. Mm -hmm. And if you hit it bad, you're either going to be stuck in the grass because it's not going to roll to the green guaranteed. Right. You like hit a super perfectly like high shot, one hopped like the crabgrass, one hopped the fringe, and perfectly rolled like past the hole like four feet. And, and then just put it in for par. Yeah, made the five or six footer. I just mean, it was it. just all time up and down. And that was just the, the theme of what <laughs> your weekend of golf was, which is just danger shot. I mean, you put like, um, a seven iron or a six iron or an eight iron, like 80 yards left. Dude, I hit an eight iron, 80 yards left. Of a hole. I was on the other tee box and I had to bring my range finder with me. Like <laughs> with that's, on a par three, that's tough. That's tough. There was another one. You hit like a four or five iron, 80 yards or yeah. 90 yards right of the green again, almost another OB. And I mean, you saved that for a bogey. Yeah, it, that one was double. That was, that was my worst hole for sure because I... I remember that one very, very vividly because on uh, on the you first the drive. on the first round, God, disaster struck on hole nine. It was atrocious. It was a tough tee shot. You have to kind of play a straight to cut ball off the tee shot off the blue tees, right? Um, which my miss that day was was a hook. It was it wasn't a subtle draw. It was left, which means missing left. An extreme oh, left. oh yeah. Um, and I just didn't really have control over that, and so I then. 
blocked one and it hit the tree, lands straight onto the tee box on the on the whites. But yeah, I'm right where I'm playing. And I'm teeing off with you guys right after. <laughs> so that That's was so funny. That was brutal. Uh, managed to save par though. That's so unreal. On that first round. And so then I get back to that same hole on the on the following day, hit a beautiful little drive, like a two yard cut. Yeah. Bullet shot, like two eighty drive. And I have I don't know what I have, 210, 220 into this. Really attacking this. I'm There's a, not much trouble up there. It's just have, miss, don't miss left. Yeah. And missing right is not even in my head. Right. Because there's plenty of room right. Right. And I block this thing 80 yards to 100 yards right. Into, Heavy. Into the trees. And I thought I might have hit it out of bounds right. with a five Which iron. would have been devastating. Yeah, which would have been awful. And I, on, to be fair, if my ball went out of bounds there, I would have been upset. But I deserved it. Right. You have understood. Yeah. I'm like, I can't expect that to stay in bounds. And luckily it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then that I just, I hit a, hit a lob, sh- I hit a lob wedge in like hit it thin because I was on dirt into the bunker. I don't even know how I was able to achieve a fried egg. That was really, really difficult. I was like, why did I just hit a fried egg when the bunker's running away from me? Whatever. Now I'm just venting. Right. This isn't a venting podcast here. No, no, I loved it. I mean, so, it was, it just felt like you weren't getting good breaks and you were hitting some good shots. And when you got a good shot, you know, you're able to like capitalize, which was great. Like when you were in those opportunities to score, you did score. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you had the mental in it for pretty much the whole time until day two around hole 14. Yeah, and that was when we were both a little hungover. It was hot. Hot. Like, we were, I, we were running on E at that point. And it was just to try to limp it through the finish line. Yeah. And, you know, I hit, for the amount of fairways I hit, I hit a, I hit a pretty decent amount of greens. I hit um, nine greens mm-hmm. on Saturday. And then I hit 10 greens on Sunday. Yeah, dude. That's awesome. It's a pretty good benchmark for me. Ten is, ten is my goal every time I play. That's great. Yeah. Fun, fun weekend. I uh, can't wait to do it again next year. We expect, you know, bigger and better things from Andrew next year. I think you're gonna maybe win the A flight would be my prediction. It's if gotta you, be it's gotta be net though. Uh, gotta yeah. be net. It can't not cannot be. Some gross. of those guys are absolute sticks. They're they're posting one forty was the winning score. That's four under. Right. Gross. Yeah, that's it's tough. I, I'm a good at least three years out from that. Yeah. We'll at see. At least if I even ever get there, I would be so fired up if I got there ever. I think you will. I don't think you're that far off. It's just you got to get the driver's swing to a place where you're not missing like that crazy. I got to get, yeah, dude, I got to hit eight fairways out of 14. And I got to have the other, what was that, the other six. I got to have five out of those six. Once you get rid of your big misses, once the, on all shots, your big yeah. miss goes, and your big miss is now like off the off the green in the second cut or off the green in the cabbage or off the green in the, you know, Greenside bunker for sure. Those and are your big misses. Then you'll be you'll be starting to score. Sure, sure. That's that's a good point. Yeah, I had basically your big missiles right now. Like we said, are like eighty yards left. It's bad. And like to be fair, not it's no excuses here to my golf game. But I, you know, I'm trying to do maybe a couple things here and there. Right. Maybe the swing is not feeling perfect that day, so I'm trying to work through it and maybe try a couple things right. to get me back to scoring and playing some pretty good golf. And so, you know, I think it's that learning curve. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think we definitely need to make a couple more putts. I For think sure. I think that's where we're missing a lot of, um, you know, the scoring here. I think 
my longest putt that I made this weekend was like an eight footer. You also chipped in though. They, I did chip in. That which was, was super cool. I don't know. That, that was probably, it was the up and down when I went long mm-hmm. was my favorite shot that I had. Yeah. And then that chip in, I don't know. Something felt something weird. Something was weird because I was on the green yeah. with you and you're in like this weird like hill between two hills. The flag's like a little, you know, perfect distance for like a land and a run towards it. Mm-hmm. It's a little downhill. It's like a white flag, so it's in the middle. And for whatever reason, I'm on the green. I see the flag leaning away from the from the hole a bit. Yeah, towards me, right? Right. So it, if it, the ball were to go in, it would maybe hinder the ball from falling. Right. Into the cup. And I just didn't, you know, I I had a feeling you were gonna put one close. Isn't I don't know why. So weird. And so I walked up, and in the middle of your roll, I'm fixing the flag. And I'm watching it track, and I'm like, this is going to be, like, either in it or <laughs> right next to it. Yeah. And I didn't want to yank the flag out just in case something happened. Well, I'm not asking to pull the flag right. out. So I am just sat there, and I just held it just right in the middle. Because if I let go of it, it's going to lean again. Mm-hmm. So I have, to, I have to hold it. And sure enough, it hits the flag right in the middle of it and drops it. And I just move the flag a little bit <laughs> off, so the ball just drops in the hole and... That was an all-time. Threw the ball back to you and I said, way to go, buddy. All-time playing partner move right there. That was all. It was so cool to watch. It was a weird feeling because I stood over it. It was like I could actually put this thing really tight. Not thinking in, but I'm thinking maybe within five feet would be wonderful. Right. And then you said something to me like, let's put this thing tight, huh? This looks great. This looks like it's teed up for you. Because we had something similar to that before. I thought you had another good one from that angle. Something, I'm sure. Yeah, There were a lot lot of holes played this weekend. Um... I think looking back on it now and then now looking forward and reviewing, I think for sure my driving game um, needs to be a little bit more consistent. Um, just like the wedge game, it needs to be controlled. It needs to have some accuracy to it. I think your routine is something that you got to keep very close to you at yeah, all I want times. You chipping. I think, yeah, yes. I think spending some time on the chipping room is great. I think, were you taking that 50 or 55 and like chipping with just those two mm-hmm. and maybe a gap wedge every once in a while if you want to play a little bit more of a bump and run situation? Yeah. Um, I think it kind of just extends there and maybe getting rid of the chipper. It's kind of a bummer that it has not really panned out for you. Yeah, but it's fine. It was fun to just get and do and try. Maybe it makes its working. way back in the bag at a later time, but I don't know. I feel like maybe the you might be leaving. we play, it's not really useful. Because the fairways we play are not that kind of course like they're not that forgiving it's not link style right where if, you can if, run things up there if i'm playing me a link style or desert course maybe it might be fun to put in the bag i think so too just to try it out but so overall that, what a great weekend and then uh yeah unbelievable weekend and then i think yeah like i touched on it before it's just we had a lot of great putts a lot of 15 to 20 foot putts and we never hit them past the hole and a lot of them mm-hmm. were right on line and like six inches short i had about six all weekend and i think you had like two yeah and so it's again it's i know you're trying to not three putt that's really the main goal from 15 to 20 feet but being that little bit better at putting where you're able to get it six inches past to a foot past that's the sweet spot and that'd be nice to miss just six to a foot past every time yeah and because we're doing that short, though. Right. So you know you can do it. And so I think maybe it's something along the lines of, you know, it's it's tur- it's still tournament putting because I, there is that certain switch that you, like, have to turn on 
when it's totally. the tournament putting. You have to like you be a bit more locked in. You can't just like slap blindly it up go up and slap it. Exactly. Um, so, anyways, awesome. I think I think those are some three good takeaways here and. Uh, more to come. I, I have my other club championship and my other golf course I have. Still. Is it a two day event? Yep. Okay, nice, dude. Is that coming up uh, like in a couple weekends? Couple, I think a couple months. Oh, really? You guys yeah. do it at the end? Yeah, it's towards the okay. end of the season. Okay, nice. Um, you get a little bit more time to fine tune a couple things then. Yeah, I have more golf this weekend. And I think of another tournament coming down the line. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be fun to do, it's going to be a good time. But that's not the only fun thing event we had. We no. actually went to a baseball game. First baseball game I've been to in a year. Dude, I I'm wiped and it's Wednesday. I am yeah. gas from this weekend. Yeah, still, dude. I'm still I took a nap today <laughs> right after work. And gas. Uh, it's been tough. It was Yankees versus Angels. But a, what a Angels. great what a fun weekend, dude. Unbelievable. Unreal. A great baseball game to go to. You know, if there's any baseball team that really has like a following. God damn, it's the Yankees and like maybe the Red Sox. Yeah, but like they really yeah. travel well. You know, you know the game's gonna be a little bit more rowdy, which is fun. Um, Yankees are possibly in the front running for Shohei Otani right now. Um, Yankees ended up losing. Angels won an OT. Yeah, that we was left, fun. We left around the ninth inning just because. Yeah, we did saw you guys head out? We saw many people were there. Yeah, and we're like, we really don't want to get stuck on this on Monday night. Yep. I'm there. Like, I'm there with you, dude. You know, it could be an hour to get out of here or whatever. And then that's when it gets real tough. So yeah, we then, you're going, leaving, then you're potentially going into extras. Which they did. Right. And then it's like, okay, like how long are we going to stay? If it goes into extras, it could be. No, I'm it, not like a diehard Angel fan. It could be 12 innings. You like know? If, I'm, if I'm a, like I've been to a triple overtime for Lakers before. Yeah, that's different. I feel like. Yeah. So like that's was like after the first overtime, like no way we stay for overtime too. Look at Madison. She's like, oh, we're staying for overtime two. Overtime three hits. And we were like, you know. Uh, well, we're already this far. We're anyway. gassed at this point. Um, but yeah, super fun. Some things I, you know, want to mention about this, you know, baseball game after watching and uh, live. Shoei Otani is that guy. Very yeah, clear. he is. He is that guy. Um, it's very apparent, too. Seventh inning. We're down by two. Steps up to the plate. Everyone's on their feet. You even call this thing too. Yeah. You were like this, like someone's going to get a walk and he's going to just bomb a home run. Yeah. So you just need, you just need to get someone on base because he's going to step up and he's going to hit one. I just felt it. I think mean, I knew where he was trending with this game. You have this weird sixth sense about you, dude. Are you an alien? <laughs> yeah, like, you, I always thought I had some weird, like. You uh, did that with my chip and mm -hmm. then you like turned to me or like, yo, it's, it's his time. It's Shohei's time. Like I feel something coming from this man. Yeah. Some of that, we, we have a man on finally. We have to have a new pitcher, have to have something happen. Yeah. It's like prime time for this. Goes up there and just yeets it out of the park. Dude. Yeah, he's over like the longest part of the fence, center field. And he's at that point, he's three for three in the ball game and he's balling. Uh, I mean, the crowd erupts. I watched highlights of the clip afterwards. The crowd's going crazy. It oh, was yeah. really electric. But it's weird, you know. Um, I'm going to shout out one of Timmy's friends, Justin Renaud, for this tweet. Um, so. If you don't know Angels Baseball, which I hardly know much about, it's hard the to owner was supposed to sell the team before this season. He's been sucking for a long time. We've had two of the best baseball players in recent history, and we can't win a game. Justin tweets that why would he sell the team, right? Because he know he's going to sell it the following year after Shohei's contract is up. 
Why would he do that? Well, he's already a greedy person. He's going to make as much money as he possibly can this year because of all the money Shohei brings into Angel Stadium. Oh, yeah. I mean, Angel's, Angel's team is a small market team. Even though they have, like, somewhat of, like, a okay presence, but, like, overall, like, the money in the Angels isn't that high. Right. And he brings in, like, weird Japanese sponsorships, like Pac-Man's, like, crater sponsorship, cat treats, like, Dude. yogurt from Japan. It's very, like, Japanese it's advertisement. Very, it's very strange. The cats were, like, very, very apparent in the advertising in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And even the fan makeup was actually a little bit, uh, I would say, like, you know, Japanese fans of Shohei. Right, like, and, and the big one, the biggest, like, Asian cities, like, tourist cities for, like, or not tourists, but, like, people who live there is, like, Irvine. Yeah. It's a huge Asian demographic. And, um, of course, the owner wouldn't trade Otani either because he's making money on him. So, like, it was, you know, you got to catch him while you can because he, he's definitely leaving at the end of the season and the ownership is awful. They're not going to trade him which he's already made apparently clear that he's not staying with the Angels next year because he wants to win. Yeah. I mean, that's why he's. That's why a lot of these professional athletes are playing. They just want to win. So, you know, go yeah. go someplace. It's just weird to see, like, the Angel Stadium was just... Dude, he was rocking on a Monday night. I don't know what the fan attendance was. It was around probably 25,000 people. It was a lot of people. And the advertisements are weird. The ownership feels weird. The stadium's kind of getting old. I don't know if you felt that vibe. It wasn't. It. I guess it's not old. It's just not illustrious. It's not super grand, you know. No. And they can't kinda, do that. But I think they could do something better than what they have. Yeah, I I feel like the the whole water rock fixture that's in left center as well is also a little strange to me. Very Disneylandy. Yeah, it, I don't really understand it. I don't. I never really understood it. I guess it's great for fireworks, but like. If you want a stadium packed, like, let's put some seats out there. Like, and then maybe do something fun above, like, the Padres deal where they have, like, the water slide and stuff like that above the grandstand and seats. They need, they need, like, just move the stadium into, like, a funner area. But they're not going to. They just, they're building, actually building that area out now. Yeah, and they, they also have the breweries that are going for it, though. And they have the train station that goes right to the back of the stadium, right. which is nice. Right. It just needs the stadium needs a revamp. They could tear it down and re- yeah. do some stuff to it. It was just a really fun game. I'm glad we made it out there. Thank you for the invite. It was a blast. I've been trying, oh, yeah. to, I've been trying to go and watch Shohei pitch, and I'm going to be really upset if I don't see him pitch. Uh, Let's wait for a game week's pitching and just go. Yeah, we got to just go. Like, we got to just, like, mob it because there's never a player that's, I mean, who knows when the next player like this is going to come around because everything is becoming so specialized in sports. It's so rare for someone to become an all-star as a pitcher and as a DH, and he's done it three years in a row. So shout out Shohei Otani for just being that guy. and just He really, really is that guy. He's changing the game, and he has changed the game, and I can't believe more people aren't talking about him. I mean, he's making his rounds for sure, but like... Once he, he gets to a big market team like the Dodgers or the Yankees, yeah. it's game over. He's like the grace of, of the god of baseball right now. Right, I mean, like, that's why the Angels need to trade him because we can actually get something for him, but the ownership sucks right. and they're not going to. Well, you know, everyone's everyone's in it for the business, right? But another uh, fun <laughs> little part about baseball, another hot topic is um, should umpires still be in the game of baseball? 
And, you know, I personally do think the umpires have to be in the game of baseball. But I saw this fun thing from like a triple A team or a double A team where the player can challenge a call and the umpire looks at the clock behind or not clock, but like a signal behind him. And it's a machine that's reading the pitch and green means strike. Red means ball. Right. And and if a player challenges it, the ump looks, he sees the light and then he changes the call based on that. And I think if you lose the challenge, um, you you only get like three. But if you win one, you keep it. Yeah. Basically. And it's a quick, really, really quick way of fixing the issue. Now you have live umpiring still, which is super fun. It's almost like tennis, right? Right. It's exactly like that. So you just look, okay, it was in, whatever. So Yeah, and you put your hand up or you, you signal to the third base umpire and you say, I want to challenge that or something like that. Right, and, it and then, zooms in, bang, you see it. That's always fun when you see the highlight. Yeah. I don't understand how the tennis ball looks like that. They did the math, and like, this is the, the length of what this tennis ball yeah. is. Well, as if someone hits it harder, it makes it smaller. Is that possible? Are you talking like, wait, are you talking baseball terms now? No, no, sorry, tennis. Oh, yeah. You know, like, okay, so someone hits it out. Right, right. And it's like that long, it's not like, it's not a round tennis ball. Right, it's, it's very spherical looking. Right. From the speed of what it's hit. Right. It's always the same shape and size, mm-hmm. but that can't be possible. It's not. I mean, if you, it's the same thing on, because they have that for volleyball, like international volleyball, same kind of dealio. So, like, the harder and faster the ball is going, the longer this, like, image is. Oh, so it actually changes the size of the image it does, as well. It does. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was it just a stock same image every no, time. No, it's it's well, they are hitting it around like eighty five miles an hour a lot in tennis. Right. But like on serves when they're challenging it, or like uh, if it's like a drop shot or something, and I've seen that before, where like it's a softer shot or like a lob shot, mm-hmm. the the shape is much more of of a circle. Yeah, less more of like a crazy gotcha. oblong. So yeah, crazy situation. I do think umpiring still needs to be in the game of baseball just because of the history of it. Have so. to have it. I'm right there with you. That was what I was going to propose. Something very similar to that. Love it. It and if that is not working and if that doesn't because it it needs a change. It needs a change. Yeah, the umpiring has gotten so bad at points where it's ridiculous. I don't think the umpire has gotten that bad. I think the the fact of the matter is is that all other sports have instant replay. And right. all other like, and you see the strike zone on the t- on the television, and you see it. That's not that was not always used to be the case, right? And so we know that the strike zone is there, and it's tailored for every single batter, and it's it's right there on our screens, and so you can see it every single time when it's consistently coming in bad, or then it's like a strike, and he misses the strike call, and it's I think it's the inconsistency of it. Right. I don't think it's really gotten much worse. I think it's just becoming more apparent because we are so much more doing that, that like technology and the visual aspect of it is so much more in front of your face that it's becoming more apparent. That makes sense. I mean, like, I don't think umpire is getting, getting worse or better. I think it's just like, you know, the technology is getting better. Let's just use the technology, like you said. Right. Let's just use that. <clears throat> the right. human eye is always going to be, you know subject to a little bit of like bias potentially they feel pressure too they don't want to mess up a call if it's right on the edge you know are they gonna like ring up a batter on like bottom of the ninth with guys in scoring position mm-hmm. you know it's like i don't know like it, stuff it, you gotta you gotta kind of take out as much of that as possible but still stick true to its roots i i agree with you this is gonna be a bummer when they challenge it right 
umpire calls, you know, ball or whatever, pitcher challenges it, and he nicks the corner, it's a strike three call, game over. Like that's yeah. gonna, that's gonna suck for end of I baseball guess, game. That but way. like it was a strike though, right? It's gonna be anticlimactic, right? It's gonna it's gonna ruin a couple of those things, but but it's the right call though, and I think right. it's I, I don't know I I agree with you, I do I I see the potential missed opportunity and like you know there is a little bit of error in the situation, but. Maybe they don't even have challenges in the, ninth, in the ninth inning. Maybe they use them all up. I don't know. Who knows? I, I, think I agree. That, it needs to change, but it's just, it, you know, it's going to ruin like a situation or two down I the line. Agreed. Agreed. But uh, another situation that may be ruined is the running back position in the NFL this year. Yeah, dude. It, it's tough. I, I like, I, I think it's a good thing for us to cover right now because the um, franchise tag. Um, deadline has passed as of Monday uh, mm-hmm. this past week here. I don't know, dude. I think it's the running back position. Something's got to change with this as well. We briefly talked about it, but I think that running backs, because of the way they come out of college and their peak physical years are the age of 20, are 23, 24 years old. And that's like, it's a small peak window. You may be going to 27, 28. And right. after that, it's, you're on a steady, steady decline. The only person who's really changing that narrative is Derrick Henry. Yeah. And it's, I think it's cause he's one so big and so durable right. potentially. And he's, he does have a lot of speed to him. Um, cause he just signed a two-year contract mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and he's 28 years old, which, which is huge, which is huge. Like he's one of the last paid players that has gotten a four-year contract after his, or like a, th- a three-year contract after his rookie year, and has gotten a two-year contract after that. <clears throat> and so the main focal points that we wanted to touch on are um, Austin, or no, sorry, not Austin Eckler, J- Josh Jacobs, uh-huh. Saquon Barkley, right, and Tony Pollard. Yep. But mainly it's Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Right, Mainly because those two. two guys definitely deserve the cash. Josh, J- Josh Jacobs was, like, was the Raiders' offense at one point last year. Yeah. And uh, Barkley had uh, is arguably, like, one of his better seasons, if not his best season last year as well. They, like, touch the – they're, like, they contribute, like, 32 to 35% of the team's total yards in the entire year. That's a lot. And make up, like, 40% of the touches. And it's a lot. But the only issue with this, right, is – Derrick Henry one year went down after like having like a huge first half of the season. I forget the exact number. So let's say it's a thousand rushing yards, right? Uh, first half of the season. He goes down for the second half of the full season. The Titans sub in like two or three running backs and they go running back by committee. And they almost have the same exact numbers as Derrick Henry at a like half of the price that yeah. they're paying Derrick Henry for. So the debate is how or what you can do as a team to figure out like how to pay these people or what they can do to be more valuable to a team. I think the true running back position, the Adrian Petersons, the LTs, you know, these type of guys are gone with the wind. And from now on, if you want to be a running back and you want to get paid, you also need to be a wide receiver. You need to be a you need to be a Christian McCaffrey esque player. Yeah. You need to um, be able to catch the ball. You need to be able to block. You need to be able to run. You gotta be able to like for them to throw you in any situation and figure it out. 
You got to be a big utility player. And great, if you touched, if you rush the ball 15 times, but you also have six catches and you're also running routes and blocking, now you're talking about massive, massive production for your team because right. not everyone can do that. You got to really separate yourself. And it's a bummer to say, but it's the truth of the matter. And we talk about this all the time and it's, it's business. And franchises are not going to take a risk on paying someone four years, 35 million guaranteed, and he they're one bad hit away from blowing an E out. And they tear an ACL and they're done because they touch the ball 27 times on the ground every single game. And I think you need to figure out where to, you know, I had this thought, why don't you let the running back one have 100% touching the ball, right? Let's say 50 of it's running and 50 is passing. Yeah. And just you, for the ease you of give numbers. Them 25 touches a game running or whatever. I think you need to scale it way back. Let's say Barkley's in his prime. Let's give him the ball 13 touches to 15 touches, maybe less, running on plays that he likes to run, on situations that make sense for him where we need the yards or whatever, and have running back two and three fill in the gaps of where he's not picking it up at. But don't take Barkley off the field. Put him as a distraction with a, you know, a play action block if you need to. Or what I would do is motioning him, always motioning him into the pass game. Yeah. And maybe the maybe he's just running a five yard out to drag another person with him. But I think you need to start being versatile. I would say passing more often. So I would say, let's say 60% of the time his touches should be coming from passes, whether it's like a little screen pass or whatever, because for whatever reason, it feels like if you get outside the tackles, like, you know, the me of the defense, the injuries seem to be less. Like, for wide receivers, they get paid more, and they last a little longer. So maybe there's something to say about the people you're getting hit by. Of course. That, too. And I think it's traffic. And I think it's the weird falls, weird hits, the twisted ankles, the twisted knees right. when you're so in the pile. So maybe you can't let them catch it in open, open distance. Maybe people need to get really good at the, the pitch. And, like, really get mobile yeah. linemen to help them out. I don't know. But I would say 60% of what your offensive production should be from be from passing and 40 from running. Yeah. I think it's a good way to, like, to factor it in. Um, you know, obviously, we're not professional play callers here or, like, you know, offensive. I am. Offensive Madden court. would say differently. <laughs> I think if you're not going to, like, that is the easy fix. Here's a business fix that doesn't really make a lot of sense for the NFL, but it makes a lot of sense for the players. So if you're, I think in this situation, I was watching SportsCenter on Monday, the franchise tag for running back in 2017 was $10.9 million. Or sorry, back in 2020 was $10.9 million. Now the franchise tag is $10.1 million in three years. Mm. It's going down, which is crazy. Can't go it, down. It can't go down. So that's a really bad, like a really bad situation because you got all these defensive tackles, all these wide receivers, and all these quarterbacks getting paid big money, big guaranteed contracts. Right. Defensive tackles getting like eighty million, like guaranteed. Yeah. And you're like, holy cow! Like this dude plays half the snaps. <laughs> he plays half the snaps on defense and rushes the quarterback and gets a sack once a game. And that's, that's a, and that's and he's balling. He's gonna break like a sack record if he gets one or two a game for the whole season. Crazy. 
And so I think it's really discouraging for these football running backs because they're also taking a ton of hits. They're busting their ass. They're putting their body on the line. And then after four years, you put in all this time and effort and then you're not going to get a contract afterwards. I think there just needs to be some sort of grace period or there needs to be a restructuring of the running backs rookie contracts. I love this pitch for me. Yeah. Like I think there's the, the positions that are the most volatile for injury and burnout turnover rates, the quickest you need to have new contract lengths for those specific positions in those high turnover rate positions. Right. If you're really great, you should be paid after two to three years. That franchise tax should happen in your third year of your contract, not your fourth. So then you're going to be, let's say you come out of college at 21 or 22 years old. Right. And that two-year contract puts you at 24 years old. And you're already got some millions in the bank now. And now you got your standard rookie contract, but now you have age 24 through 27 to be your prime years. And so if you show that you are an elite top five player in your position in the league, then you're going to be paid that way as a top five player for the next three years of your career. Right. Or if they're using you the most. Exactly. If you're running back one for them, they should sign you like a running back one. Because they're going to be they're because they're going to get the best years out of you. You're going to be your strongest, fastest, potentially your most healthy. All of that is subject to change, especially the healthy part. But at least you have the guaranteed fact that they're no longer going to be on the decline. Then they're going to be playing really strong football for those two to three years. Totally. And then I think that solves a lot of this issue. Is the NFL going to go for it? I don't know. Are the franchises going to go for it? I don't think so. I think the NFL might back this more than the franchises do because the franchises are kind of finding a little bit of a loophole right now. It's like, I'm just going to pay the guys that are not going to get injured, that have a lot of impact on the game, more money so we get the guys we want and save money and just draft a five round, a fifth round running back. And we're basically going to get the same production out of him. Right. And it's tough because now it's just running back by committee. I think what you said, it was like one of the best ways of doing it. I think, you know, if you're a kid and you love playing running back, you got to learn how to be very, really versatile. Some guys don't have hands. Some, I mean, like you could learn how to be versatile, but some guys literally just really struggle to catch anything. I know, but like then you can't play running back. You got to be a slot receiver or you got to be a middle well, linebacker. You can't catch. There you go. You got to be a linebacker. You got to play some You got to be a corner. Yeah. And that's, and that's fine. Like then you just got to learn that. But like your most, maybe these are the players that you have a hard time seeing them where they might be on the football field. Like if they have some speed, to, I don't think you have to be lightning quick to be running back in the league anymore. Not really. It's nice to have a little bit of like top end speed. I don't think you need to, to keep... be lightning. Like wide receivers, definitely lightning quick helps. But even slot receivers who are really slow, who just run really excellent routes. I think if you have a little bit of edge to you, you don't mind a little bit of punishment. You're really, you know, smart. You can catch a ball. You can run. You can block. You can You're block. probably going to play running back now. Yeah. You just need to be a good all-around football, football player. player. You need to have great vision as a running back. That's the one thing that they need to have. Right. Great, great vision. That's, the I think, one of the, the biggest keys. And then the shiftiness and awareness, football awareness, to get through those holes efficiently. But, you know, like cornerback and running back, I think, need to have a little bit of a shorter contract. Because, again, once quarterbacks hit, like, 27, 28, you know, you you got to keep up with guys that are like 23, 24 years old and like, you know, 
the most athletic tall people in the league in the wide receiver position. And it's you're hard, on it's an island. Hard, it's hard to keep up. Yeah, and you're on an island if you are just exposed out there. So again, it a cornerback and running back, I think, need to have a restructuring. And teams will point you out too. Oh, they will blatantly go after you. Right. Yes. If you show any sort of like I can't keep up, they're running everything at you. Yeah. Multiple pass options, their best receiver. They're gonna motion to you. Like you can't hide. Yeah. Um, I know. I'm with you. But another thing that's can, can expose you is some good old golf, like a link style golf course for the open. Um, one of the, la the last major of the year, buddy. Um, I can't believe we're here now. It feels like we uh, golf season is kind of just starting for us. But here we are, the last last major of the season. And, you know, this is one I always look forward to because, again, it's kind of wrapping up the year. But I just love watching some link style golf and uh, the traditions that it kind of brings to the game. And um, it's just fun to watch on on, t on the telly because it's, it's, it's different. Um, and something different is always nice and refreshing here. So I'm glad we're diving right back into this. I'm really excited and looking forward to this. Um, let's go over our bets real quick and what we kind of oh, have yeah. going on and give a quick little recap. Um, because of the... Um, because of our tournament this weekend, we didn't watch a ton of sports. No. Um, so we didn't get to watch a lot of the Scottish Open. No big deal. It's okay. It's one we still got to, you know, it was fun to cover a little bit. And uh, I did watch some highlights on it. So there was that. Um, Roy, I knew Roy got the win. So that was cool. Huge. Came in clutch. Broke the, the heart of Robert McIntyre because he had the lead. And he was, um, he's Scottish. So he was the hometown hero. Oh, no. And he was in the clubhouse at 13 under or something like that and shot a miraculous like 64 on mm. Sunday and just came roaring back. And Rory put his foot in hole 17 and 18 and went back to back for to close it out with a one shot victory Damn. and crushed that man's dreams. That's uh, cold, pretty cold for Rory. I love it, though. And uh, it was it was great. He looks like he's totally freed up right now. But yeah. um, anyways, looking ahead now. I ended up uh, having a slightly better edge. I'm going to caddy for you, which is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to have to caddy for you. It's going to be all time. It's gonna We're going really to do fun. Miles Square, I think. I think that's a great place to do it because it's also very forgiving on the walking as yeah. well. And we've, we know the course and it's going to be fun. Be fun. Uh, it would be great content as well because we know what we're doing. It's not going to be like... We're having to like do crazy stuff on like a new course. We're going to be able to play right in, into our, uh, it's going to play right in our hands. I think it's going to be fun. I also got a new little range finder, which is also nice. You can be zapping the pin for me all day. Yeah. And then you got to write your distances down. Unless some, yeah, that'll be, that's going to be fun. We're going to do it up actually. Yeah. I need to like write your distances down. I need you to walk the course the day before we play. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I can help, I can help you out with the course when we get there. Pick out my outfit. That's right. It. I can okay. pick out your outfit. I'll, I'm going to make you a sandwich. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, I'll make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, love so that. So anyways, you get you get first pick for the open, buddy. Yeah. So you went with who again? I went with uh, the defending champion of the U.S. Of, of the open. The last time it was at Royal St. Liverpool. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the course I think is called. You nailed it. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I love it. Love the confidence boost, uh -huh. even, though, even though my confidence ain't there. Last time he won the open and the last time the open was held here at this course uh rory won it and i think he's gonna get the monkey off his back 
It's been far too long since he's won one. It's like nine years, dude. Dang. Eight years. Forever. Um, I think he's playing some good golf. So I rolled the dice with Rory. Um, risky to go back-to-back wins. But who knows? I think uh, if someone's going to get well. it done, I think it, I think it plays into Rory's hands. That's why I went his route. Um, went with another guy here, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. Really, go- like golf course fits him really well. He's I played mean, it. He's he has he, shots he, on it. Yeah, he he grew up like in the area. Again, right. local guy, and I feel like local guys play link style golf far better than U.S. players. Um, just in general, totally. I feel like. Um, and same with the other way around too. I would, I would agree. I would say the other way around it, it works in both players hands. Um, and then a guy that is actually just having like a really sneaky, like kind of quiet, good year is Denny McCarthy. Um, dude's like leading the whole PGA tour, um, and strokes gain putting right now. Um, and didn't know that. Yeah. And you know that he's going to, you're going to have to have that at the the rock. Mm hmm. You're going to have to. And like, it's, it's more about like just not three putting because you're going to have constant 40, 50 footers with lots of wind. Right. Um, Cause the greens are just so massive at link style golf. So that's why I went with that pick in the, for my, uh, for my third pick there for the rest of the field. Awesome, buddy. Um, I went with another clear favorite. Roy is ranked number one um, tied with him with Scotty Scheffler. Very clear oh, why baby. I went with Big Scotty. There. Ooh, very <laughs> clear with what I mean. We're recording at what? It's eleven o'clock at night. A little inside baseball for people. Eleven thirty-five, um, baby. We're, yeah, we're pushing this thing deep tonight. Yeah, so you know, my my apologies, but yeah, no, clear number one, Scotty Scheffler. Um, just be playing great golf, and it's gonna be fun to keep that rolling for him. If Hopefully he can, can putt, if he can get the putter hot, right? Something's really special, and then like. How many bad putting rounds in tournaments are you going to have? I'm, you I'm, I'm upset about one bad putting round or two bad putting rounds yeah, in a row. He, he's been struggling. He's been struggling for like the past 12 tournaments or so. I'll figure it out I at mean, some if, point. If there's, uh, if there's any sort of players that's going to that's gonna figure it out, it's going to be a professional that like is in the top five in the world. One of the best yeah, golfers yeah. ever possibly of our generation right. at this point. Like he's going to figure it out. So um, love the pick. You, you can't hate it. No, then I went with a little undercard. Don't love it, but I think maybe if he came out and has had an okay year, uh, Tony Finau coming in, keeps the ball low. He drives it really well, putts when the, when the putter's hot. It's, you know, he's doing really well. So maybe he comes out and does something for me. He always plays better in the second half of the year as well. So maybe he'll come out. Maybe he feels comfortable here. I think he won a tournament in Europe at some point, but I'm not sure. Anyways, Sahith Thagala for my third pick. Probably not the best pick either. Not feeling too confident. Sahith, he hasn't been playing great like mid to end of the season. But maybe he comes out, you know, turns it up for the last major of the year. He's got his girlfriend with him, so maybe that might help him out. And it's always a guy you want to pull for, right? Yeah. So it'll be fun to watch. Um, You know, what a great podcast, buddy. We're going to end it off here with our three worst. And uh, since we were at a baseball game, I think it's very fitting. Why would you do the three worst parts of a baseball game? I and feel like I got a really solid list here. I feel like I don't, so I'm going to leave us off. Okay. Um, number three for me, and we did. Uh, we don't like doing for these three worst, the most obvious worst part about a baseball game, which would be like the prices. Everyone hates the prices. We get it. Right. You don't want to pay $17 for a beer. I get it. I get, we it. get it. Sitting in the sun. That sucks. We get it. So we try to do like things that are not as obvious. So um, for me, number three would be the seats are always uncomfortable at a baseball game. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it's it's bad. And I was on top of you. We uh, were both like on top of each you other. Just, you just got gotta take the L. Um, you don't realize how tight those seats are, but they are tight. And especially if you sit in the middle row, which we were, you gotta like go the excuse me route, and that's tough for people. And you yeah, know. the amount of times the and the amount of guilt that you feel when you're doing the whole excuse me, can you please stand up situation, it never feels like it's a good look. But, you know, that's what happens when you're in the middle. Those people have the, the freedom to do when they want. But it is what it is. Um, number two for me, which is so strange, it happened to me a lot, is when random people touch you when you're at your seat. Yeah. Like, the guy, like, kept reaching behind, his, like, his, like, buddy to, like... It's just a weird situation. Him. And he's, like, really? raising my leg by accident or, like, his arms resting on my leg. And you kind of like move your leg for the guy to like move his arm because he doesn't realize it's not chair. It's just, you know, part of the problems of being a taller man there. My knees are on the back of these people's. Yeah, dude. You know, area. So it's tough. But uh, number one for me, which is all um, something that we experienced twice at these Yankee Angel games are the fans. The fans around you can be really annoying. Like there's always a guy standing up for like no point and he's blocking for whatever reason the whole batter. In front of you, you have like two drunk guys arguing with you, like or heckling somebody who no clue what is going on with the baseball game. They're just there to watch something. So I think the some of these fans around you can be really annoying. I think it's a good list, buddy. I yeah. love it. I love it. Um, I think now that I'm relooking at my list, I, I am going to change it a little bit because I just thought of something. Okay, and I'm going to do a quick little sub here. Love it. And so um, I'm kind of blanking on where I wanted to go now with that. Shoot. No sub. Oh, yeah. Number th number three for me coming in, I really think it's just like where the concessions are like located and the lengths that you need to go to get something right. sometimes. Why is it only on that one side of the stadium? Right. Like why is it like the craft brewery is like only in left field? Like, why is the craft brewery only in left field? Right. Like, I'm on the first baseline. I gotta walk all the way to left. Like, field. there's no way. Like, I'm not gonna do that. Right. But sometimes I don't even know it's there. I would only know if it's like I'm like a regular. Or sometimes that it changes on on floor to floor. Mm -hmm. Like, let's keep it. Let's keep the options open all over totally. the place. You know, that's my number three. And to kind of coincide with that a little bit is not like it's it's the whole like navigation and walking back to your seat after the Tough. concession. It's awful. So that's kind of like the, that's summed into like one right there because people are like walking like they're on like a Sunday afternoon walk, dude. And they have they're no strong. care in the world and they're, and they're like yeah. six wide, dude. And I can't get around these people. Right. It's and it's tough. not fun for me to be away from my seat for 15 minutes. No. And like the baseball, the game is happening. My buddies are back at the seats. Okay, I got to go. Yeah, I got to be there. Okay. Right. Number two for me is uh, is the bathrooms. bathrooms it's it's just tough. a weird, weird thing. Like I, I, people are. Stalls are on top of each other. The urinals are way too close. And then the fans, it depends on where. I had a really weird like bathroom experience. That's why it's in my two. And fans are like screaming at each other in the bathroom. Like not like yelling, screaming, like fighting, but just like chanting and like yelling ridiculous shit. It was just like, why, why are we doing this just here? Let's people. put, yeah, let's put our head down. Let's go pee. Let's go pee. Let's get back to the seat. Right. And like, 
you know, it, it's it's one of those. And God forbid you need to take a take a dump in there. Oh God, oh God, terrible. Not not doing it. Terrible. Don't even. I mean, I'm trying to go like top floor corner bathroom. Yeah, I'm trying the to get one. I'm trying to get least exposure for right. that thing because I want no weird human interaction in the bathroom <laughs> yeah. because I, I can't handle it. I can't yeah. handle it. Yeah, I won't. I won't be able to poop either. Um, and my number one for me is is obviously I think I I think you maybe this is an obvious one you can throw a flag if you want to because this is like kind of like a given just like how expensive concessions are, but it's the parking and the traffic to get in to the stadium. Yeah, I, that's not that's not. I mean, parking is up there for for sure. I'm not throwing a flag on that. Yeah, I just find Angel Stadium's parking to be quite easy. It's not bad for a, for a stadium, but I totally understand. Like, if you're in a, one of these old school stadiums or like a football game, that it's just the worst. It, and it's not, and it's really not that bad. It probably took us like twenty to thirty minutes to like park and like get our like spot and like where it's at, and then walk into the stadium and like getting to us. Like you yeah, know, it the, takes the whole, a hot minute to get going, right? And then it's. I think a lot of it too is that it's it's a bummer because I'm thinking about leaving in the eighth inning. Before the game's even over. Right. Because you're like, okay, this this is going to get so bad. Everyone's going to leave at one time. But that's just the dad in you now. And you got to just accept that. And that's okay. Right. My dad, my dad, <laughs> I used heavy. to love it. You know, when I, we would leave early, um, he would buy us like an ice cream on the way out or something. Right. And then uh, we'd throw on the radio and listen to it on the way home. Yeah, that's huge. Got to have that. And that was always awesome to have that because then he we would at least listen to what's going on and now these kids have it on their phone so like you could still watch it right so true right um and then i do have one honorable mention and it's just like the random conversations where people feel like they need to talk to you because right. they're sitting kind of next to you right I, that's I, my yeah, honorable the, mention the, what the, are we doing yeah i don't know i always get those people who look at me like we saw some guy bring back dog treats from because it's the, the Shohei Otani dog treat I guess Japanese so. situation. Came thing. back with him, which was crazy. Um, guy was talking to us the whole time. Fans are, fans are flipping off my brother and Mikey, I guess, for being angel people. I guess a joke. It just was, it was just a little bit of chaos, but it was always, it's fun. It's a blast. It's a good atmosphere. It's fun. I, yeah, the banter back and forth, I can live with. Right. And like the chanting, it was not fun sitting in the Yankees like stadium inside over there. No. Um, and so I get the banter. I do. It's more about just like, why do I need to talk to you for for four innings? Why do we need to keep having so many conversations? So many, yeah, yeah, interactions. Like, don't, I actually don't like, mind sitting on the Yankees side, to be honest. I didn't mind it. It was fun. Just, uh, you know. It was especially fun when you show a... Bob he did one him. out of there. Oh, dude, we both got up in our seat, double fist pumping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just going crazy. Loving it. Yeah, dude. Mm. But I th I mean, yeah, it, there's no need for all the communication going on. Agreed. We're going to go our separate ways. Don't need to know about your dad and why you're here and like... Dude, I get it. Let's just crack a couple jokes. If we want to crack jokes, great. Yeah, just a couple jokes. Or if you're actually into the baseball game and you can figure out I am too, then great. We could talk baseball. But like he had no clue what the, yeah, I get you. So that was my honorable mention. And it's not, it's not to the fact that I'm being a grump, mm -hmm. but I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm here with some buddies. People I want to talk to. And, and the game. Right. Like you're you're like a you're a side quest in my story I have right now. I don't need to Bingo. talk to you. Bingo. 
more than just a joke or two. It bingo, exactly. Awesome, buddy. Another great podcast. That's number 23 in the books. Uh, you got anything for the people here? Bang. Number 23 in the books. Sure, I got something here. We might touch on it a little bit next podcast. I don't know how, how this one slipped through the cracks. But uh, shout out to maybe the next up-and-coming superstar in tennis. Oh, yeah. Love that. We're going to have to touch on that. We will. Um, next we will Next because time. we uh, we have the U.S. Open that's coming up um, for tennis over in mm -hmm. New York, and I think that's going to be special. So shout out Carlos Alcaraz. Mm -hmm. I really didn't think Djokovic was ever going to lose, honestly. No, like, I didn't either. I, I didn't see it coming. So shout out. He played an unbelievable match, and we'll touch on it some more in the next one. Love and I'll it. send it back over, over to you, bud. Um, don't forget to comment, like, subscribe. Um, shout out to Mass and Devin and Jake. Couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, we don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. And uh, just a reminder, keep swinging.